Thank you very much. We may now leave. Can I ask members of the media to leave the chamber? Cameras, can you please leave the chamber? Thank you very much. I am now going to request that we should all stand up to observe a moment of silent prayer and meditation. Thank you. We may be seated. Let me acknowledge the chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Masondo, leading the delegation. The orchestra, before they leave, let me also acknowledge you, but also indicate that we are very much thankful for the you know, the enthusiasm that you put in us in the morning. And, and the orchestra is constituted by the Red Ones and the Sub-Squire. So you can see that uh, in the South African Police Service, we don't only shoot, but we can also sing so well. Uh, we are all welcome. Yeah, you can clap hands, colleagues. I now going to call on our Premier, Honorable David Makura, to come and address the House. But while he does so, I will also call upon the Imbongi to lead us, to lead the Premier. Now my speech is uh, my speech has disappeared. 
Honorable Member. Uh, it has disappeared. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Madam Speaker. Honorable Ntombi Linting Mehwe, the Deputy Speaker, Honorable Nomvuyo Mtlagaza Manamela, the Chief Whip, Honorable Mzi Kumalo, members of our Executive Council, members of the distinguished uh, legislature of our province and leaders of political parties, executive mayors of our municipalities in Gauteng, including our host mayor, our host mayor, executive mayor, Mpo Palazzi. Your Excellencies, members of the diplomatic community, distinguished guests, members of the media, the people of our province. Thank you so much, Madam Speaker, for giving us the opportunity to deliver the 10th State of the Province Address of the 6th Premier of our province. And in this address, which is a landmark as it takes place eight years since I took office in this province, and immediately after the midterm of the sixth administration, we will keep referring on those things that we have been able to achieve in the pre-pandemic period, the work we have done during the pandemic, and the impact of the pandemic, particularly on the quality of life of our people. Accordingly, we will also highlight the democratic gains and the socio-economic progress that has been made in our country. And where there have been reversals, we will highlight those reversals. It is important that our SOPA takes place almost two years into the pandemic that has created a huge negative impact and threatened the existence of humanity. Humanity has been battling the public health emergency caused by the outbreak of COVID-19. It is not just for us that winning the battle against COVID was the immediate priority. It was for all governments that matter to do so, for business, for civil society, and indeed for the whole of society, that we, the COVID-19 pandemic was declared a priority. So as we meet here today, Madam Speaker, I'm glad to say that the uh, COVID-19 pandemic is under control due largely to the massive vaccination program that has been undertaken both in our country and elsewhere in the world. And that vaccination program has broken, significantly broken the chain between infections hospital admissions, and death. In other words, although many people continue to be infected by SARS-CoV-2, the evidence shows that most of those who are vaccinated are more protected from progressing to severe disease and death. We have also worked together with the public and the private sector to vaccinate more than 5.3 million people in our province, 
having administered 8.6 million vaccines. These 5.3 million, million individuals are much more secure today than ever before. Honorable members, please join me in conveying our heartfelt gratitude to our healthcare professionals, both in the public and the private sector, for their outstanding service. The healthcare workers in, in the public and the private sector have performed an outstanding service to the people of this province in the most difficult time in the life of our democratic nation. We need to remind ourselves that SARS-CoV-2, that is coronavirus, is still out there infecting people and reinfecting people. We also know now that armed with vaccines, masks, hand sanitizers, better ventilated environments, continuing with physical distancing and greater levels of vigilance, we are indeed winning the battle against COVID-19, particularly because it is more contained. And scientists are saying it could soon become just endemic, moving from a pandemic uh, to just being endemic. In this context, honorable members, we are boldly shifting our main focus and principal energy to tackle the unemployment through economic recovery and reconstruction. And it is this unemployment which has become critically something that requires an emergency response and the kind of response that we gave to, to COVID-19. After so much death and so much destruction with regard to lives and livelihoods, it is time to rebuild and we must do so with the greatest sense of urgency with the greatest sense of single-mindedness and coordination demonstrated during our emergency response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Honorable members, in a different period in this House in 2018, I quoted from a book of Ben Okri, A Time for New Dreams. Today, I cannot resist to go back to the powerful ways of this greatest son of the soil and the scholar of our continent, because he captures, in a sense, where we are and the kind of spirit we need to rebuild our country and our province. And Ben Okri says about, about the time we are in. The Ennis reminds us that greatest civilizations can be built on great failures. It is also reminding us that adversity is not the end of the story, but where there is courage and vision, the beginning of a new one, a greater one for that matter. Difficult times do one or two things to us. They either break us or they force us to go back to the primal ground of our very being. Adversity wakes us up. It reminds us not of who we think we are in vanity, but who we are in our simplicity. It is in difficult times that the great times ahead are dreamt and built brick by brick with maturity and the hope that comes from wise action. Honorable members, we have lost many lives and many livelihoods destroyed 
since the advent of COVID-19 on our shores in March 2020. Even with the scale of the adversity we have faced and some of our clear failures to respond adequately, we swear and we vow that these difficult times shall not break us. We shall rebuild and renew and move forward. As we steadily work our way out of the shadow of COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic, we will do so with agency and act with the greatest sense of an emergency that we face. We will act with agility because unemployment has become a crisis. We have to rebuild and protect our infrastructure. The state of our infrastructure, the dysfunctional state of our infrastructure, and therefore our inability to deliver basic services to our communities constitutes itself an emergency. The increasing levels of crime and the sense of insecurity amongst our people requires an emergency response. Corruption requires us to respond in that same emergency mode we did during the fight against COVID-19. So, Madam Speaker, in this State of the Province address, it's all hand on deck as we move forward. And we have titled this, this State of the Province address from the public health emergency to the economic and service delivery emergency. And in so doing, we are also speaking to the leaders in local government. The way we work together during COVID-19 is the same way we must work together in response to these other emergencies that we outline in this speech. We have learned many lessons in our battle against COVID-19. These lessons include social mobilization and social compacting, promptly and decisively acting against crime, including taking action against corruption, interdepartmental and intergovernmental collaboration and cooperation to break silos. So as we make the economy and jobs the center stage and the number one priority in the next two years, we will also work closely with national government, our municipalities, and our municipalities to accelerate service delivery and focus on improving infrastructure, as I said. This includes access to housing. We saw during COVID-19 that there are certain interventions we can make to respond to the crisis of homelessness. Access to energy and electricity. We have a huge crisis. Many of our communities that gained access to electricity are facing an erosion of that as they are getting switched off and there's load shedding all over again. Access to clean water, access to sanitation, road maintenance, visible policing, quality education, and quality health care. I want to repeat that we have a serious crisis of underinvestment and poor maintenance of infrastructure, which requires an emergency response. We also have a serious crisis of vandalization of our infrastructure. We will give more details of how we are going to respond to this situation as we move through this state of the province address. So starting with the economy, 
It is important that we, we understand that our province has come a very long way. We have particularly come along a positive trajectory of doubling the size of the economy of our province. We know the persistent problem of unemployment and the exclusion of the majority of the people from the mainstream of our economy. That notwithstanding, all surveys and research, particularly those done by the Houghton City Observatory since 2011, have shown that Houghton province was on a continuous investment and real improvements in the quality of life of our, our people. Even in the smallest municipality, the positive trajectory of investing in infrastructure and providing basic services, there was a period in our province before 2019 where most of our municipalities were doing well. Report after report from the quality of life survey done by the Houghton City Region showed how municipalities were performing on various areas of basic services and various depart departments of our province. Those reports were showing that in the entire pre-pandemic period, we were on the up. Yes, there are persistent pro problems, and some of them have become much more prominent since 2019. For example, between 2015 and 2020, the economic output of Africa which was dominated by three countries, which is Nigeria, Egypt, and South Africa, had in the, at the back of that the significant role played by the Houting economy as the industrial hub of sub-Saharan Africa. We know for a fact that up to, up to 2020, Houting was the seventh largest economy in our continent, constituting 35% of the GDP of South Africa. As I say, even in the most difficult time as we tackle these other problems, we must always remember that Houghton remains the key player in our national economy and the critical contributor to the continental economy. With our Houghton, growing Houghton together, GGT 2030, which is our provincial plan, we want to cement our position both in our country and in our continent by doubling the size of our economy. Of course, it's not enough just to have growth, GDP growth. We also want to double the number of people employed in the Gauteng economy. We want to increase exports, particularly into the continent. We want to drastically reduce poverty and promote economic empowerment of those previously excluded. GGT 2030 outlines each of those areas. And in today's State of the Province address, I will give indications of how we have been working and we are working with, particularly with the private sector to make interventions in sectors and in specific corridors of our province. GGT 2030 prioritizes the transformation, modernization and reindustrialization of the 10 high growth sectors of our economy, which have been outlined in several state of the province addresses. It also prioritizes the building of special economic zones in all the five corridors of our province. GGT 2030 prioritizes the economic transformation and revitalization of our townships. Learning from our COVID response and appreciating the current challenges we face, 
increased levels of unemployment. Unemployment is at its worst at the moment, and that youth unemployment constitutes particularly a serious crisis and emergency. We would like to report that we have established the following interventions. Firstly, we have established the Provincial War Room, which brings together government and industry leaders in Kauten Province to drive economic recovery, unlock growth in every sector, and create sustainable jobs, as well as supporting the growth of SMMEs. The Provincial War Room we are talking about is bringing together, as we said, business and government to focus on critical interventions and a program of action, not just a talk shop, a program of action in each area, allocating specific responsibilities to sectors, to government, including our municipalities, those who are leading the, econ the economic development in our municipalities. We are doing so with a strong sense, honorable members, that we need deliberate action to support all efforts, direct all efforts at creating jobs, both in the private sector. Yes, the private sector is the greatest possibility and potential to create more jobs, but to also unleash the capacity of our public sector programs and government programs that are job-creating programs. We are doing so also by focusing on the inclusion of youth and women in these programs. We are opening up value chains. Now, this is the first time we give a bit of great, greater detail on what we are doing in each sector. We are opening up value chains. We are building competitive local content in there. We are bringing in local content in there. We are also promoting the development of commercially viable enterprises, supplier development, SMME uh, growth, and township, township enterprises. The War Room has now initiated quarterly sector action labs with industry representatives focusing on problem solving and social compacting. We are working in partnership with the Private Public Growth Initiative, which is the facilitating uh, initiative for this work, and we are now bringing organized labor into that work. We will also be bringing each of the state-owned enterprises and relevant national departments that are doing work in our economy to reignite growth in the housing economy. Honorable members, such is the nature and scale of the economic and other challenges we are confronting that we can't sit somewhere as government alone and talk and think that we will go and meet with business and business sits alone and also talks, including trade unions in our province. They can't sit alone and, and just defend the jobs of existing workers. We know that's the role and the task of trade unions. We need to open more opportunities, particularly in, in new sectors of our economy. So this mode of operation we are referring to is what we mean by acting with a sense of emergency and acting in the way that we have dealt with COVID-19. 
During the State of the Nation Address, President Ramaphosa announced, and I quote, we have given ourselves 100 days to finalize the comprehensive social compact to grow our economy, create jobs, and combat hunger. The commitment by the President to the social compact is what we in Gauteng are exactly doing. We are instrumentalizing this. We are unlocking growth through leveraging the strength of different players. Governments have its own strength, and sometimes it can become an obstacle. And the private sector also has its own strength. We want to harness the talents, the energies, and capabilities of these various sectors to focus on these critical sectors of the Gauteng economy. And indeed, the principal outcome of all our efforts, firstly, is, is employment, secondly, is empowerment and increasing exports so, we can, so that we can have prosperity for all in our province. So the work we have been doing with various sectors is what I would like to focus on now. We are doing work with the ICT and digital services sector, and this work draws in experts, policymakers, and business people from across the digital economy landscape to support the implementation of the 4IR strategy of our province. It includes the work that's being done by ECASI Labs. It's, it also includes the work on the township cloud zones, hot desking hubs, and this will be optimal sites for new data centers and big investments in communication technologies. This we do in all the critical, the five critical corridors of our province, including taking some of these initiatives right into the townships. The provincial government has just partnered with the University of Johannesburg to turn the province mounting e-waste problem. And what is e-waste? That is the disposal of electrical appliances and electronic gadgets, which has become a very big problem for the economy of our province. And to turn this e-waste into an opportunity whilst at the same time protecting the environment. This partnership between the University of Johannesburg and our Department of E-Government is offering an opportunity for young people in particular who are inspired and trained to look at how to recycle e-waste and create meaningful new products from discarded services and appliances. I've had an opportunity to look at some of this in the programs that are run by our Department of E-Government. How young people are turning e-waste into some of the meaningful products that can still be recycled and re reused in our economy. Secondly, we are working with the aviation industry and the tourism and hospitality sector here in Gauteng to build Gauteng Air Access Partnership, which will attract more passenger and cargo airlines to operate at OR Tambo International Airport, as well as Lanseria Airport. We have been busy through the COVID period, engaging particularly through AXA and some of the airline companies to make sure that OR Tambo and Lanseria Airport become more competitive in attracting some of the major airlines, particularly for cargo and the growth of, of uh, 
of the, 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 the passenger opportunities for the growth of uh, the passenger airlines in our province. Due to the impact of COVID-19 on both the aviation industry and the hotel and restaurant subsector, much work is being done together with these sectors to promote recovery and unleash the huge employment potential in the Gauteng province, including on issues of the unique tourism opportunities offered by our economy. This is one sector through which we are doing work. On, in the food, beverages, and agro-processing, as well as agribusiness sector, we are working with the industry players and organized farmers in partnership with the Agricultural Development Agency to ensure that food security in Gauteng is, is addressed and to promote urban agriculture as a, a sector for huge employment and business opportunities. In the previous State of the Province address, I did say Gauteng has not paid attention to agriculture. Now we are sitting together with these various industry players to unlock the opportunities for this sector, especially to bring in women in urban agriculture and young people for smart agriculture. In the past 12 months, we have also been interacting extensively with the cannabis industry role players, and I have identified unique opportunities of this sector in Houghton province. This year, honorable members, Last, last year, I said this sector has opportunities. We must work with the industry players and the regulators to unlock those opportunities. Now we have done work to look at what opportunities there are. You must come with me. I'll take, I'll take you to where all these sectors are located and demonstrate to you what the cannabis industry is doing in this province. There are many cannabis growers in Gauteng. There are also those who are not just growing, they are already processing. They are already processing medicinal cannabis. If you don't know, please come with me. I will show you, including those who are already producing medicinal cannabis products and retailing those medicinal cannabis products right here in Gauteng, right here in Gauteng. So the biggest challenge, honorable members, this sector, the sector, the sector leaders are saying, honorable members, honorable members, the sector members, leaders are saying to me, excuse me, Premier, honorable members, honorable Mukwebo, honorable Mukwebo, heckling is allowed, but this is honorable Mukwebo. I don't want you to, to go and smoke is there. Allowed. It's for medicinal purposes. So what is the critical issue being raised by this sector, honorable members? So this sector is saying the biggest obstacle they are facing is issues of regulation and licensing. They obtaining licenses, particularly from the regulator with SAPRA. Black, black participants and those who want to grow cannabis are saying the biggest problem for them is access to land and access to financing. But there are many young people I have met in this sector who are waiting for the opportunity 
who want us to work with them to sort out licensing and make land available and financing available for them to participate in this sector. So going forward, this is what we will do. We have decided to establish a dedicated unit in the provincial government. It will be located in our department of GDAT, Department of, of uh, Agriculture and Rural Development. That unit will be dedicated, established there, to work with the carnivorous industry and national government to focus on unlocking these issues of licensing, attracting particularly huge foreign and domestic investment into the unique opportunities of the sector in Kauteng and facilitating black and particularly youth participation in this sector. We will give further feedback on all the other sectoral work that is being done and that work includes the work we are doing with the creative and cultural industries, freight and logistics sector, and the engagements we have had with the freight and logistics sector, the finance sector, construction and infrastructure sector done by our infrastructure departments, and those relevant MECs who are leading this work themselves are consolidating that work back into the war room. So the story of the establishment of the provincial war room is not just an idea, it is hard at work. And these are the preliminary results of the work of the Gauteng Provincial War Room on the economy and jobs, which is doing this work. Honorable members, in addition to the sectors we have identified and the sectors we are working in, we have said since 2014, we have been championing the development and the, of the township economy and the, the transformation of the economic geography of our province and the demographics of various sectors of our province. And we have said we, are do, we must do so and we are doing so in order to ensure that all sectors of our economy participate meaningfully in every sector and the Gauteng economy cannot be located at one main municipality. Uh, your worship, the mayor of Johannesburg, we want to decentralize this economy. We want to make sure that different parts of our province have growth opportunities so that Johannesburg doesn't carry the burden, uh, not only the metros as well carry the burden. We want the West Rand and Sidibeng to also be growth points. So that has, have, that has been our approach to economic development. But we also want physically and geographically, people must not leave the township to go and look for work. There should also be location of businesses in those townships and jobs must be created in the townships. So for that reason, we have been the champion also of the, the Township Economic Development Bill. We have been the, township, the, the champion of township economic revitalization. So, honorable members, those of you who may, who may have not been here should be reminded that between 2014 and 2019, the Houghton Provincial Government supported township businesses extensively through pub public procurement policy 
to the value of more than 20 billion rands in buying goods and services from those township businesses. We are going to continue to do so with a greater sense of agency and in an emergency mode to support these businesses. In thinking about supporting the township businesses, we have also focused on supporting businesses owned by women, and to this effect, with 5.6 billion rands in Gauteng as I speak, uh, over the period from 2014, 5.6 billion rand has been spent on businesses owned by women. The same applies to young people. 5.3 billion rand spent on businesses owned by young people. And with regard to people with disability, just 470 million rand. I know this is not enough. We've got We've got 2% of Houghton population are people with disability. Supplier development has been an important area of action. We have worked with more than 3,100 township businesses and township suppliers. We know very well that in the townships at the moment and township businesses are waiting for one thing, the passing of the Township Economic Development Act. And Honorable members, this is in the hands of this, this legislature. I know, Madam Speaker, that the legislature public hearings are still underway, and our executive keenly awaits the legislature to pass this law uh, so that I can ascend. We keenly await the passing of this law so that I can ascend. I want to repeat that the township economy Bill is about helping us to create new development regulations and do away with all those bylaws. We, we involved our municipalities in this. Many old bylaws that make it difficult for businesses to be established and to operate and to grow, including informal businesses. This is a new regulate, smart regulatory and supportive regime that this legislature must pass to ensure that also we also formalize 90% of those businesses that are informal, that want to formalize, to enable them to really grow and get financial support. Secondly, this bill is going to also formalize the establishment of the Township Economy Fund. So the Township Economy Fund, as I speak, is, has grown to uh, over half a, half a billion rands, uh, the, our, in the, one of our war rooms, there are further discussions. We are bringing in more partners. It will grow to 800 million rents this year, the Township Economy Fund. So as soon as you pass the Township Economy Bill, the Township Economy Fund is available, is ready to support all this, the growth of these township uh, businesses. So, honorable members, we really want to also create through this bill a legal framework that will enable the provincial government to support what's called township real estate. Often what is called the back rooms, where there's rent, lots of people are renting. Those back rooms, where lots of people are renting, the formalization of that process, that these are actually, these are income-generating opportunities for most of the people in the township. So their formalization that it's not illegal to have a back room and have people renting. 
because it is supporting livelihoods and incomes. But often mayors will know, mayors will know, mayors often these backrooms are, are overloading our infrastructure. They are not connected properly to sewer. They are not connected properly to electricity. They are not, they are, some of them are also not being built properly. Uh, because they all, they often all pay to the main house. And that's where we have many problems uh, of the growth of the debt in our municipalities. This formalization will include turning the taxi, in, the taxi industry ranks into business hubs and turning many of our township commercial nodes into high streets. This is part of what the township bill is meant to do. So the people in our townships have given us feedback that they really want the township economy bill to be passed now and this year. I have been saying last year it will be passed. It must be passed by this house. And they are all echoing in the public hearings. And if you are not in the public hearings, it's your problem. Honorable Mpapa will tell you. They all are saying that they, they want the opportunities to go to the local residents of our townships. That's what they are saying. They're saying these opportunities of the bill must not go elsewhere. They must not be hijacked. They must go to local residents of our townships to rebuild uh, businesses in our communities. They've been echoing this with a great deal of urgency. I want to also say to you, we, we are already disbursing 100 million rands to support the recovery and the rebuilding of township businesses affected by the July unrest and the COVID-19 pandemic. And we are, already, we are already working with the IDC in disbursing these 100 million rands. We have ongoing work, honorable members, that tells us that although many businesses collapse in our townships and many businesses faced serious challenges, some disappeared, but there are businesses that have survived. There are township businesses that have survived. There are, there are township businesses that are continuing to operate, telling us inspiring stories of how they want to build back, how they want to grow and how they want to overcome any future pandemic. In the past year alone, we have worked with 56 township businesses which are successfully incubated in the provincial government ECASI labs. These 56 township businesses are successfully incubated in the provincial government ECASI labs. One of the stories of this ECASI labs is the Tembisa ECASI lab, Honorable Lesufi where we have incubated some businesses there. In the Tembisa Ekasileb, there's Pumzile Mtembu, who had been unemployed for years. She's a proud owner of Ingweti PTY Limited. This is the first baby skin care brand from Tembisa in Ekuruleni, which is trading as QB Baby Care made in the township, made in Tembisa. So, honorable members, so we're telling you about the 56, the 56 companies that are incubated. We're also doing ongoing work beyond the, 
the 56 companies. We are doing work with the township enterprises where we are making progress in the special economic zones. In the previous State of the Province address, I have reported extensively on the rollout of SEZ. I just want to do an update. Firstly, with the construction of the Tswani Automotive Special Economic Zone, which was built in the midst of COVID-19. This is this, a special economic zone built in the shortest time in South Africa in the midst of a pandemic. That Tswani Automotive Special Economic Zone is, is progressing very well, honorable members. And this year, it will produce the first new Ford Ranger in June this year, the first new Ford Ranger made in South Africa, made right there in Swani in the Automotive Special Economic Zone. I want to give you an update, honorable members, that, that there, if, you, if you visit the Swani Automotive Special Economic Zone and there are people who don't know where it is, they'll ask where. There are 12 companies there. There are 12 component manufacturers who are working with the OEM, that's the original equipment manufacturer called Ford. They are already working as I speak. Many of them are already manufacturing whilst work of construction is going on in that special economic zone. There is a great sense of emergency when you get there. You can see, even as they complete construction work, others are already manufacturing. That's the sense of emergency, the emergency mode we need, which is being demonstrated in the Tswani's Automotive Special Economic Zone. I also last year made a commitment, honorable members, that there will be 3,228,000 2, jobs, and we have exceeded that target, as I report now. Jo the new jobs created between the last SOPA and now, our target was 3,228. 3, we have 3,440 jobs that have been created in that. In the last SOPA, I reported that half a billion rands in that, in that SEZ has been spent on the township businesses, has been spent on supporting township businesses. I am very happy to say a billion rands has now been spent on supporting SMMEs and township businesses. So that amount has doubled in the period. And honorable members, I want to tell you a story. In the Swani SEZ, there are no disruption of projects. There's no stoppage of projects there. The township, the township enterprises and the SMMEs there and the communities involved in defending the development and the project construction going very well there. Let's give the people of Mamilodi a big round of applause. Anyone who tries to go and disrupt that project, it is the community and the people there who are protecting it. And thumbs up to the community of Mamilodi. So, honorable members, is all systems go in the Tswani Automotive SEZ? Is the best example?
is the best example of how to build an SEZ, is the best example of how to collaborate with the community, is the best example of how small business, women, youth, and township businesses can, can participate in the value chain of a, a big investment of a $1 billion by Ford Automotive Company uh, in South Africa. So we want to carry this lesson to the other SEZs. So I want to, I want to move to an update on the Val River SEZ. So last year, the people of the Val, last year we gave you a report of the work we were doing. We reported to this legislature. I have an update for you. In October last year, in October last year, in the midst of COVID-19, we convened a conference, an investment conference in Sidibeng, and at that investment conference, we had, we had not foreign investors. We had businesses, South African businesses. Of course, there are others that came later, but most of those are South African businesses that made a commitment of 45 billion rand to invest in the, in the Val River SEZ. Those businesses said they are ready. All they want is construction work to begin in the Val River SEZ. So the Val River SEZ will host the new Val River City, the Green Hydrogen Innovation Hub, the Cannabis Hub, and someone who wants to see the Cannabis Hub in the Val River, in the Val, come with me. As long as you promise me you don't want to smoke, you want help for, for medicinal use, agrologistics and aerotropolis, the aerodrome, the air freight, and the revitalized steel industry. So we said last year that the, the Val River SEZ company has already been registered. A PMO has been established. There's a project manager of the Val, the Val, River, the Val River SEZ. I can also update you that the municip four municipalities in the Val, the district municipality and all the local municipalities, all of them, and I want to say all of them, they have put on the table land of more than 7,000 hectares. And they brought the land because you, to develop a, a massive industrial zone, you do need land. So I really say, I, give, I say thumbs up to the municipalities in the Val. They are run by different parties. They are run by different parties. They have cooperated, they are collaborating with us. They've brought land on the table to say, we are ready to work with you. So going forward, the critical issue in the, in, in the Val River SEZ is to move now to, the, to unlock bulk infrastructure. We have a commitment from the DBSA to invest in bulk infrastructure up to a billion rand in that area. So we are working hard and fast in the Val, with the Val municipalities, to unlock this 45 billion rands. Uh, these are not fairy tales. The investors are real people. The money is real. The municipalities are real leaders who are committed to real development. So the new update about the West Rand, we reported about the West, what, the West Rand agro-processing hub, the development of that. We are glad to say that there's, there's been an additional, just between 
between the last supper and now, an additional 20 billion rands pledged to Maximum Group and a number of companies to help with the development of agri-processing and industrial development in the valley. And some of those who are involved in that, de that development is, is AfriBees, they are here, uh, and Maximum Group, they are here. These are real business people. They are saying to us, even if government, you are still delayed on other things, we are already on the ground. It includes Basmark. Basmark is expanding its operations, its factory, which is in Ranfontein, to relocate it next to N12. Basmark also is ready to, to expand its factory there. And the mining houses are ready to work with us on, on unlocking green hydrogen and also growing urban agriculture in that special economic zone. Honorable members, that is the Western. The president has spoken extensively. The president has spoken extensively about the Lanseria Smart City. So what is the latest report? We are working with the city of Johannesburg, Mukhali City, and let me say to you, those it doesn't matter who governs those municipalities. We work as government not parties, we work as government to unlock this development. It doesn't matter in Gauteng which party governs with which municipality. The key thing is that we elected by our people in municipalities and in the province and national must work together. So we are working together with Johannesburg, we are working together with Mukhali City, we are also, Tswani is the latest because only a small portion of of Lanseria is in Tswan. We have now appointed a PMO there, but the critical challenge on the Lanseria is the following, honorable members, is the consolidation of land. We have a huge investment awaiting the, un the, the this unlocking of this land, a huge investment, a, an high-tech type of, of investment in that area. So, in the Lanseria area, the big problem, unlike in the Val, we said to you, the municipalities brought the land. That's why we can just immediately do bulk. In Lanseria, what is the big problem? The land, there's no government land in that area. Of course, all the landowners have been engaging with, with, with the different government departments, and it is absolutely important that this year we move. Because again, what is the critical, we, the DBSA is also ready. The DBSA as an implementing agent is also ready to roll out bulk. And I am awaiting the announcement by the Minister of Finance about some of the assistance uh, provinces are going to get on bulk investments to unlock growth. I'm awaiting that announcement. And we are looking forward to moving this year. Of course, I say, in that, with the Lanseria Smart City, the critical issue is unlocking the land. The investment on bulk is readily available. So, honorable members, we, we are working we are also working with the global business services on the global businesses special development zone 
It may not be an SEZ, historically as it was, and with the, with the people who are, who, are, who are owning Nasrec, we have huge investment there in Nasrec done for the 2010 World Cup. That is uh, ICT, ICT infrastructure that is sitting there in Nasrec. It's awaiting the global business services moving into that area and locating there to develop a new global businesses services hub around that area. So, honorable members, when we come here and report and saying we are working on the, on the SEZs, uh, we are working in, in that area, we, it is not just work and no progress. It is real work and interventions in this regard. We are also focusing on infrastructure investment. One of the key things about infrastructure investment is that in all the economic interventions, you do need bulk infrastructure. I've already said that. You also need other type of infrastructure to enable businesses to operate there, including a broadband infrastructure, some of it through in private sector investment and others through our own GBN network expansion in those areas. And the aim of infrastructure investment is about creating employment, but also enhancing the delivery of basic services, uh, including access to housing, schools, health facilities, roads, electricity, as well as water and sanitation. In infrastructure investment has generated huge opportunities for our economy, and between 2014 and 2019, we invested 53 billion rands in infrastructure. In the pre-pandemic period, creating 120,000 jobs in that pre-pandemic period. Just through active state intervention to drive infrastructure investment, we were able to unlock 120,000 jobs in the five-year period uh, through infrastructure investment. Honorable members, I also want to report to you that since 2019, our social sector and infrastructure sector have also created jobs. The social sector has created 15,152,000 jobs. The infrastructure sector has created, together they have created 22,000 jobs. Houghton municipalities, also through their own social and infrastructure and environmental programs, have created, and I exclude here, EPWP, but those other programs have also created more than 10,000 jobs. So, honorable members, we are pushing employment creation through the, the provincial war room, but we are also pushing job creation through infrastructure investment uh, in, in our various uh, sectors. We are, we, are, we are expanding broadband access, We are expanding broadband access, the details of which you will get, ensuring that this, this will support our economic development and industrial zones. We are also hugely investing in skills training for young people, particularly in digital skills, uh, including giving opportunities to emerging digital entrepreneurs in our province. And this is the most detailed report we are presenting to you some of the details I am going to um, I am going to move beyond some of those details. So, honourable members, 
honorable members, we've committed that we will rehabilitate 18 arterial roads. In this report, I am giving details of the work and the specific roads that we have been working on in this report. I'm not going to take you through all the roads in detail. We made a commitment of the 18 roads. We are reporting road by road, area by area, including where some of the roads are bedeviled by the stoppage of projects or delays that are, are as a result of inefficiencies in government. If you say which road the state of the province address has got them, I know, come with me, come with me, because uh, P, P158, that's N14 phase 2, P158, it will not help you to do, to do this. So, honorable members, our road program is also unlocking economic opportunities in different parts of our pro province. We are also ensuring that all our investments in other infrastructure programs, such as human settlements infrastructure, the GBN in rollout also leads to the empowerment of those who are previously advantaged. And the details of that you will get in the speech, as we have done a very detailed speech for you. So, honorable members, I want to say the most disturbing thing with our infrastructure projects, again, is the stopping of projects. It is worse in Swani. The stopping of projects is the biggest problem. But I am glad that the South African Police Service, led by Provincial Commissioner Lieutenant General Mawela, and his team of detectives have been arresting and making sure that this this infrastructure criminal network is brought to book in our province. They are causing serious damage. They are causing serious damage. They are, they are stopping our infrastructure projects. They are scaring businesses which are operating in different areas. So it is absolutely important that we appreciate the work that the, our police officers are doing in this regard. The, the other key problem with our infrastructure projects, honorable members, is delivery on time and on at cost. Our infrastructure projects, big problem, delivery on time and at cost. For that reason, we have, we have now established an infrastructure war room that will also bring business players for different, who are leading different infrastructure projects and the police and our different implementing agencies, including the Department of Infrastructure Development. They are going to be brought in there at the hub to deal with every aspect of infrastructure. Delivery on time, delivery at cost, dealing with the problem of stoppage of infrastructure projects. Honorable members, I will come back to the infrastructure story when I deal with some of our infrastructure department's concrete deliverables. I want to focus now on the fundamental question of the crisis of youth unemployment. The crisis of youth unemployment is something that requires an emergency response.
The future is youth and young people are the future. The future is youth and young people are the future. The level of unemployment amongst the youth has reached unprecedented proportions. So, for that reason, I want to first say that the Gauteng Provincial Government has introduced May many youth development initiatives in the pre-pandemic period between 1994 and 2014. And in 2014, we moved that process to the next level by introducing the TEPO program, which started as 500,000, and then it became TEPO 1 million. I want to give you irrefutable data and evidence of what this program has done. In the, between 2014 and 2016, the initial phase of the TEPO 500 program was able to give opportunities through training, through entrepreneurship opportunities, but also bringing into the labor market our young people, a total number of which at that time was 211. 211 thousand young people in the first phase of that program. So that was the first phase of CEPO, the CEPO program. In the, in the second phase of the program between 2017 and 2021, the program was upgraded into CEPO 1 million, working with Harambi Youth Accelerator, and we have been able to listen carefully in the second phase of the program, we have been able to, to impact on young people through the different pillars of this program by opening labor market opportunities, in other words, access to jobs, training, demand-led training opportunities, and some of them including getting them entrepreneurship opportunities. So in the second phase, we were able to reach 718,000 young people across Houghton province. In the second phase, now if you add 211 and 718, you can see we are approaching a million in terms of the impact on young people. So for this reason, we don't want to talk about TEPO 1 million anymore. We just want to talk about TEPO. We just want to talk about SEPO. We have been able through this program, 60% of the beneficiaries are young people. Now, let me tell you an important story. The President of the Republic of South Africa, President Ramaphosa, established the presidential program called Yes for Youth. Learning, drawing lessons from what we were able to achieve through the years of TEPO 1 million. It's now a national program and important lessons are being drawn from there. I also want to say to you, Mapungubie Institute of Strategic Reflection, MISTRA, is undertaking independent evaluation of TEPO 1 million right now. They are undertaking an independent evaluation. Their preliminary assessment is if there was no TEPO 1 million, the situation of youth in Gauteng would have been worse. 
if there was no intervention by this program, the situation would have been worse. So this, this report will be published. So those who continue to say or think that we will abandon this program, we are, we are rebooting it, we are upgrading it, but we are also doing other things. There is many, many departments in Houghton that are doing other youth initiatives. For example, I can report to you that 48,177 young people in Houghton were given work opportunities by provincial government departments across the province, particularly in the infrastructure and social sector. This has happened in this province even in the past two years of the COVID pandemic. Houghton municipalities have also given youth, young people in our province opportunities up to a, a total of 30,192 youth op work opportunities in Houghton province. This is extremely important. Again, we are going to work with municipalities on op opening up opportunities for youth. It doesn't matter which party runs with municipality, we are going to work together in Houghton province. The biggest intervention about young people is our, in our education system. And I'll, I'll return to this intervention in our education system. So, honorable members, how do we move forward with the, this program of TEPO? There are two things we are going to do. There are two things we are going to do. It is going up, Honorable. It is going up, Honorable. Two things will be done. The first one is the consolidation of all programs done by different municipalities and different departments, including NPOs, everything that impacts on young people, from health uh, to e-gov, to human settlements, to road construction, all the, the programs that impact on young people are being consolidated. So the Premier's Office, this consolidation will result in the following. In preparation for this integration of all these initiatives, I want to announce to this House that this year, this year, in very soon, I will appoint a civil society advisory panel led by young people of Gauteng. A civil society advisory panel led by young people in Gauteng to be the ones who work with government to make sure that government responds comprehensively to all areas of concerns of our youth. So that's the first thing we will do. The second thing we are doing, young people of Gauteng, we have started work to re-establish the youth directorate. In other words, the youth machinery in government will work with the advisory panel made up of a civil society organizations of young people to coordinate all these interventions we have made. So young people of Gauteng, we have heard you. We have heard you, young people of Gauteng. So public employment schemes are also helping us. Let me report that we have been able to, departments of the province have, have create it, created EPWP jobs 
up to 93,314 93,314 jobs. Plus, Municipalities in Gauteng have created 55,000 jobs. So if you combine 93,000 plus 53,000 EPWP jobs, we know EPWP are not permanent jobs, but they have been able to help a lot of people in Gauteng to put bread on the table. So it is absolutely important that we appreciate these interventions. And these things are happening in the midst of COVID-19, honorable members. We continue to focus on supporting small businesses with our, procure, our procurement system. We continue to ensure that the Houghton Provincial Government will, will support businesses owned by women, owned by young people, people with disability, and black businesses in general. So as we do that, honorable members, let me return to our greatest source of pride in Gauteng. Education is the greatest source of pride in Gauteng. It's the greatest source of pride for every family. It's the greatest source of pride in our province. And as Gauteng province, we have done extremely well with regard to education in Gauteng. The performance of the education sector in our province, especially between 2014 and 20, 2019, has been above 85 percent, year on year, above 85 percent for grade 12 results. In the best year, we got 89 percent and we were number one. But we continue to be amongst the top, the top two in the, prop, in the country. We must acknowledge the work that is being done by our districts across Houghton province. Our districts are always in the top 10, either four of them or up to 10 of them in the top 10 in the country. We have also increased throughput rate from 79% to 84% in the, in the, in, with the last grade 12 results. So, honorable members, we are doing extremely well. We are continuing to focus on ECD. We are continuing to roll out ICT in education. We are continuing to do more investments in upgrading and building more schools in the province of Gauteng. I must say that children in our townships are also our greatest source of pride. And schools in our townships are also a greatest source of pride. There are schools in Gauteng a few years ago. These schools were getting less than 50%. Today they are counted amongst 100%, achieving 100%. And these schools are in the townships in Gauteng province. So, honorable members, we have invested since 2009 2.2 billion rands on bursaries for the children of Gauteng to access higher education. And we have exceeded 30,000 students we have been able to fund to access higher education in Gauteng. Whether you like it or not, they exist. These, stu these students give us very, very good feedback. 
there are many of them are, are they do come back and say we appreciate the support you, you you gave us but the biggest problem is access to the labor market for this for these learners and, and that's very important intervention that that we are making so the gcro continues to fund a lot of our students in Gauteng province to ensure we achieve the objectives we have set ourselves. There's many things we can say on education. I want to move to an area that's extremely important for us. Honorable members, crime has now moved to the same top spot like unemployment as a matter of big concern in Gauteng. We have just conducted the latest survey, not just the stats from the police. The latest survey says crime levels are so high, it now competes with unemployment as the greatest issue of concern in Gauteng. We have reported, honorable members, in the last state of the province address, the work we are doing to support the police in Gauteng. We have reported that we, have, we continue to procure additional vehicles, to support the police. We have also reported we have increased the number of uh, traffic officers in Houghton province. At least 264 of those have already been appointed. We are working with CPFs and patrollers across the province to tackle the issue of crime. I want to say to you that the police through Ukai Mulao have been working very, very hard to chase the criminals in Houghton province through Ukai Mulao. They are visible. The police are visible in various communities in Houghton province. We know the, the criminals, the criminals are, are making life difficult. I want to assure the criminals that the South African police service at least under the leadership of the Provincial Commissioner General Mawela. I know that they are getting more and more of these criminals behind bars. Under the leadership of General Mawela, more and more criminals are getting behind bars. We are confident that even amongst those under the leadership of General Mawela, the police service is being cleaned up. Corrupt elements amongst the police are getting disciplined and others are getting prosecuted, completely fired from the police service. 